Let's talk next steps. We are looking at what God is doing in our church. We did that last Sunday, and now today we're going to look at where God's taking us in 2024. If you're visiting today, just listen in. Listen in on the vision God has laid out for us, and we hope that you'll be a part of that with us in 2024. Before we move on, let me just remind, if you haven't heard through an ABF class, uh, Alex and Emily are expecting their first child. Isn't that cool? She's still up here singing for the Lord and carrying that baby and ready to deliver pretty soon, and we want to bless them today. We're having a church-wide uh, baby shower for them at 1.30 in the children's building. You can still go grab a present, a bag of diapers. They'll dig that. Baby food, whatever you want to do, and uh, be back here at 1.30, and please help us bless them today for the blessing they are to us. And then go home today, get ahead of the game, and break out your famous Dallas Cowboy jersey to wear to church next Sunday. It's Jersey Day, and we're going to pack it out in blue. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Help me, Rhonda. Unbelievable. Well, if you want to wear a different color, red that might match Satan's suit, whatever it's got to be, you wear it, uh, we're, we're going to have a competition I get to go around with Muggsy and head of security. We will be the three referees. We will be judging our ABF small groups on participation. That means how many jerseys are worn, how many people show up. And we will also be judging your tailgating food, all right? That's youth included, I think, I hope, I pray. We want to pack it out in our small groups. Bring your best tailgate food item. Show it off. We're going to pick the best ABF groups in the church, and we're going to have a great day. Not because it's Super Bowl Sunday, but because we have a super Savior, and we're just finding a way to get connected as a church. And really, that's what our theme is for this year. Let's review. Last Sunday, we looked at Philippians 2.13. If you have your Bibles, look at it again in case you missed it. Philippians 2 and verse 13. Every year when we talk about what God is doing in our church and where he's leading us, I want you to understand this is not my vision. It's God's vision that he's speaking to our church. It's not our staff's vision. It's not our deacon's vision. It's God's vision that he's revealing day after day, year after year, to us as a little C called PCBC. And we know that we are not supposed to create activity for God. Uh, I used to think that's how you did it. You got saved, and then you started acting saved, and you started doing stuff to prove you were saved, and you showed God how much you loved him by how much you did for him, and you had to perform for God. Well, look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. We got it backwards. It isn't by the works of our hands. Remember, that's what we call fig leaf theology, it's by experiencing the work of an almighty God who accomplished a work for us on a cross and a resurrection. And now look at this, verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you. You know the Lord. He just didn't do a work for you and save you. Paul is reminding them he is still at work in your life. He is working every day because he lives in you and he desires to work through you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We're going to challenge you in 2024 to get connected to that kind of God, get connected to that kind of vision, to get connected to that kind of calling, because God wants to work in your life and mine. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Here's our simple theme for this year. Last year is that we would get back connected to being an Acts 1-8 church. And we're still doing that. We talked about what all we did last year to re-engage with the gospel coming out of COVID. 
This year, our simple theme is simply this. It's one word connected with an exclamation point. Getting connected. Now, what does that mean, and why would we focus on this word connected? Well, I showed you last Sunday, Satan is the God of disconnect. He's the one that wants to disconnect you from God. He wants to disconnect you from your calling. He wants to disconnect you from your family and from your church family. He is the God of separation, an unholy disconnect. We're going to see this morning that God is the God of connection. Everything he does is connected. We're going to be in Proverbs in a moment. We're going to be in the book of John. But I want to illustrate first through an object lesson, if I can. Many of you will know what this is. Boom, what is it? Some said a cup in the first service. I expected the younger generation to understand exactly. What is this? Solo cup. Solo cup. It's famous. Solo. This cup is indicative of what has happened, especially what's been exasperated since COVID. We have bought into being a solo culture. We had to do that for necessity during COVID. We were told to social distance, to be solo, because if you were around other people, you were going to die. And I'm not making light of that. There were some people who did die from the virus. It was dangerous. There were some steps we needed to make. But here's the problem. We allowed that season of disconnect to become the way we live moving forward. We live life like a solo cup. Now, here's what we know. The solo cup, you can do life alone. You can live solo. You don't have to be connected to God. You don't have to be connected to other people. You don't have to be connected to calling. You can just live life any way you want to live it. But Jesus warned us. He said, I came that that life, your life that was solo, disconnected from me, could be abundantly filled, filled with overflowing and abundant life. In that same verse, he said, but there is a thief, there is one who wants to do three things. What is it? Steal, kill, and destroy. That cup is like the lion that we saw in the video last week. It is very easy to take that cup out. Just like a lion that was taken out by, or was about to be taken out by just a bunch of hyenas, because he was alone, he was easy prey. If you live life solo... You become easy prey. Elijah, we studied him last week. He left his male servant behind. He went on by himself. He tried to fight through it on his own. And Satan crushed him. A hero in the faith became a down and out, discouraged, destructed faith where he wanted to give up on God and give up on life because God did not design us to live solo. So... As you saw that, it was easy for me to crush the solo cup, right? Now, it isn't just because I'm a big guy. I could pull up anybody from this audience, and that cup could not have held against anybody stepping on that cup. Now, let me show you something interesting here. What if, instead of living life as a solo cup, what if we were connected together as the body of Christ? What if instead of staying at home and doing church online, you connected? Now, I know there's some that have to stay home. There's some that are traveling. There's some that are homebound. That's a different deal. 
But there are a lot of people who live like, man, I can do church online. I can do church by myself. I can go solo. Oh, how's that working? I happen to serve on a board of a hospital in our city, and, and we hear all the time and all the time the phenomenon of what's happened the last few years because people have learned to go solo, and it has destroyed each and every generation, all the way through our young people. We're behind in our education, in our schools. We're behind socially. We are experiencing things that are more destructive and mental illness like never before because we're doing it solo. God didn't design it to be that way. So what if in 2024 we got more connected, not just to going to church. I'm not talking about attending. I'm talking about connecting. I'm talking about connecting with other believers who can walk through this life with you. Not just showing up for youth Sunday school or for ABF. Not just processing an hour there and an hour here. But doing life together. Encouraging one another in the faith. Getting connected. You put all these solo cups together and all of a sudden something changes. We're going to see it in scripture in a minute. I just want you to see it in a visual way. So I put these out more than one, we're going to see how many cups. How many cups do you think it takes to keep this big old preacher up? <laughs> Father, forgive him. He knows not what he say. All right. Well, let's see. A hundred would help. I, I get it. A hundred would be good. Let's see. Let's see how this works here a little bit. Let's just put a few of them out here this morning. And let's see. If solo cups connected can make a difference, how else can we get connected? Not only do we need to be connected together, but we need to be connected to God, and we need to be connected to our calling. Let's call in some backups. Let's get more, stop it. Let's get more connected here. Hey, it ain't your life at stake, it's mine. All right? Let's just see how this rolls. How many of you think those can hold me up? Alex believes he was in the first service. Well, let's see if it works. One couldn't get it done. I got to have something to stand on. Help me, Rhonda. All right. Okay. How many of you think that'll hold me up? You feeling it? You feeling it? Feeling it? Praying for me or praying against me? Where's it going? All right, ready? On the count of three, let's see. One, two. I got to make sure you're connected. Okay. One, two. I didn't eat breakfast this morning on purpose. <laughs> Slide. One, two, three. Now, <laughs> almost didn't work. But we held together. They can do what that can. Being connected is biblical. Going solo is not. Let me prove it to you. Proverbs 18. Turn to it. Proverbs 18. Thank you, solo cups. Verse 1. 
Proverbs 18, verse 1, watch this. He who separates himself, he who's doing it solo, he who says, you know what, I've got a strong faith. I've got a relationship with God. I got this. He who separates himself seeks his own desires, and he quarrels against sound wisdom. Writer Proverbs says, you're a fool if you're doing it alone. Matter of fact, we saw in a video with a lion, we see it with the solo cup. When we live alone, when we go solo, we are easy prey. And sound wisdom would teach us to be connected. To be connected to one another, to be connected to God, and be connected to his calling. So let me let Jesus prove it. More than the solo cups, let Jesus speak to it. Turn to one of the last prayers Jesus would pray on this planet, John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Now, he would breathe some prayers from the cross, but here we find Jesus praying in the garden with his disciples. He knows that his earthly ministry is coming to an end, and he prays to the Father. Now, if you knew you only had 24 hours to live, I promise you, you would pray differently than you do today or you did yesterday. I promise you. You're living with eternity in mind. Uh, you got 24 hours. You're going to pray about what the biggest burden of your heart is. Watch Jesus pray. Verse 20, look at it. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. Did you know Jesus prayed for you? You, you know he's praying for you now. We understand Jesus prays for us. Do you know that Jesus prayed for you before you were ever even born? He prayed for you specifically. Say, so where do you get that? Look at it. I don't ask on behalf of these alone, the current disciples and followers that were before him, but I pray for those who also will believe in me through their word. Jesus was praying for this generation. He was praying for you and he was praying for me before we were ever even born. And he prayed, yes, he prayed over those current disciples that he'd invested three and a half years of his life in. And he said, and Lord, I'm also praying for all who will come to believe even after these because of the word that they share. What did he pray for us? What did Jesus, literally when he was on this earth, pray for you? I want to show it to you. Let's stay in John 17. Go back up, verse 6. He prayed several things. Look at it. Number one. Look at verse 6. He's praying to the Father. He says, Father, I've manifested your name to these men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they've come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Look at verse 8. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. Notice, underline that. One of the greatest gifts God has given us outside of salvation in a relationship with a holy God is to know his holy heart. God has given us his word. You don't hold a more precious gift in all of life, this side of heaven, than the word of God. And yet it's the most neglected gift that has ever been given to man. But these words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. So I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you've given me, for they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. Verse 11, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I have come to you, Holy Father. Keep them, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, 
that they may be what? One, as we are. Not solo one, they, plural, may be one. Jesus prayed for this, Satan looks for this. Are you living in the center of God's design and God's will, what he prayed for? Or have you fallen over into this and found yourself walking it out all alone? An unholy disconnect. Jesus prayed for several things. Let's dig it out here. Let's take a look again at verse 8. Here's the first thing. The first challenge in 2024 is where we started in the first day of 2024, and that was being connected to God in his word. Look at it in verse 8 again. He says, for the words which you gave me, I have given to them. God gave us his word so we could be full of life. Absent of the word of God, we'll never be one together and we'll never walk in the oneness with God that he designs. Verse 14. He goes on in verse 14 and reminds us again, and I have given them your word. The word of God. It's not just something we do for 30 days to kick off a year. The word of God is something we get to do every single day and it's what God has given you and me Keep connecting to God through his word. If you don't, listen in on John chapter 15. You don't have to turn there. Verses 5 and 7, Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. It it speaks of being connected, branches connected to the vine. And he who abides or connects in me, I am connected in him, and he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do some things, but not all things. Is that what he said? He said, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. This life produces nothing. And we become easy prey for the enemy. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are to be connected to God first. We stay connected to God in his word. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18, it says, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through God, or through Christ. He speaks of reconciliation, a term you don't use often, a term that's used often in a courtroom or legal issues. You can have two parties that are fighting in court. They are not on the same team. They have cases against one. They're separated. The Bible says we were separated from a holy God, and we were separated solo in our sin. And because of our sin... We were on the other side of the courtroom. We weren't on his side. We were on our side, and we were separated from God. And the Bible says God reconciled us. What does that mean? It's a picture of what I experienced when my parents were separated, heading for a divorce. They showed up in the courtroom on that day that their divorce was to be final, and they decided not to go through with it. And the 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 Bible says it here of how it happened for us with God, but for them, there's a legal term called they were reconciled. They came back together as one. The Bible says, God so loved you that he sent his son because we were disconnected, an unholy disconnect. And God made it possible through Christ that we could come back to a holy God through his holy forgiveness and his holy sacrifice. That's salvation. Are you connected to God or are you just connected to a church? Are you connected to God or are you just connected to your own agenda? Are you connected to his kingdom or are you living in this physical realm alone? 
We have to be connected to God and his word. Back to John 15. We're staying in John 17, but uh, John 15 says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. In other words, if you're connected to my word and my word is connected to you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Jesus said, I desire that you be connected with me and daily be connected in my word. That's the challenge for 2024. Get connected. But the connection goes beyond that. Look at verse 8 where he says, my father, listen to this, my father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and prove that you're my disciples. Showing up for church and filling a parking lot doesn't prove we're his disciples. Judas showed up every day for the job. He walked every day with Jesus for three and a half years, but he was not connected to Jesus. He was connected to the benefit of being the treasurer for Jesus. It was all about his agenda, his desire, his life, his benefit. He never connected. He was never reconciled to God through Christ. And he took his own life. The Lord is glorified when we're connected to him, when we're connected to his word, and when we're connected to one another. There's a second connection Jesus prayed about. He just didn't pray about our connection to him. He also prayed for our connection to our calling. Go back to John 17 now and look at verse 17. Jesus continues to pray. Remember, this is one of the last prayers he's going to pray. He's praying about the most important things on his heart. Number one, that you're connected to God. The second thing he prayed for is that you would be connected to your calling. Look at verse 17. Father, sanctify them in the truth. What that means is, God, don't just save them for heaven. Keep working out that salvation. Sanctification is God transforming us into his image, not just taking us to heaven. It is a transformational, lifelong, eternal, long work of God. That happens in the truth, in the word. Your word is truth. And Father, as you have sent me into this world, I also have sent them into the world. Jesus now prays over our calling. That once we connect with God and we're connecting in his word, his word transforms us. And it's his word that not only calls us into deeper relationship with him, but it calls us into a deeper connection with our world. That we go with what has changed us to those who have not yet been changed. As you have sent me, I have sent who? Them. Sad thing that's happened in the Western church is they think that the sent ones, the called ones, are the preachers, the missionaries, the staff members. We just go to church and they're called into the ministry and we just do life until we get to heaven someday. Wrong. God has called you to himself you're connected to him. God has called you into this world. He has connected you into a ministry and a calling on your life. My calling, our staff's calling is this. We're called to equip the called. But all of us need to connect to that calling. Just last week, it was great. Alex led out a bunch of our uh, high school and rooted students and, and even, I think, our um, younger single adults. And many people came together and, and were down at the MLK parade for our city that was postponed from January 15th to just as brutally cold another weekend that they were there. But they showed up and they were there and they were, frankly, a little shocked 
that some Caucasians would show up for MLK Parade. Why? Why should they be shocked? Are we not one community? Are we not one people? Are we not a city of citizens that live together? And the church should be where all people are, connecting with our city. It was a beautiful thing. Right before the summer months, we were in our backyard in our neighborhood doing what we do when we go on mission trips to other cities, prayer walking. We've spent more time prayer walking in Zambia, in New York City, in Costa Rica, in Honduras, in Haiti, in Turkey. I'm probably missing a couple places we've been in recent years. We have prayer walked in all of those areas as we went on mission for God. And we come back to our city and we just go to church. God forgive us. So we repented. And we decided we needed to connect with our neighbors in our very own neighborhood. And we started prayer walking the streets right around this area where God has planted us. Now, we understand that we can pray from home just as easily in the months of January, February. And so we have. But I'm going to challenge us in 2024. I'm going to challenge us to become a prayer army. What one or two solo cups can do, God will still bless and God will still honor. But when a people of God get a vision for God or connected to God and his word and get connected to their community, that's when revival happens. And I'm going to call you to go from being a solo cup to becoming a prayer where you say, I don't know what to do. You know how to walk. And if you can't walk, we'll let you drive. You will have to pass a driver's test, so I'll know my prayer walkers are safe, but we'll get there. There's some from the first service. They, they do it through a car. They go driving and praying because they can't make it with their knee joints. You can, most of you. And I'm going to encourage you to go on a Saturday or a Sunday. We'll have two slots. And then we get back to connecting with our city, and we do that all the way up through Easter, and we're going to go past Easter. But can you imagine what's going to happen on Easter Sunday when the prayer army is connecting to its neighborhood? Jeremiah 29.7 says you're supposed to seek the welfare of the city where God has planted you. That's what we're doing in prayer walking. We're going to continue to get connected to our city and the other missions that we talked about last Sunday. We're going to continue to do that throughout our state, throughout our nation, and to the ends of the earth this year. Get connected and go on mission in your own backyard or to the ends of the earth. Get connected to your calling. But there's one last thing, and I'll let you go. Jesus prayed for a third thing. Look at it in John 17 and verse 20. John 17, verse 20. Again, Jesus prayed, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that's you and me, that's the church today, the body of Christ, the big C that happens to be gathered at the little C called PCBC. And what did he pray for us? What was on his heart? What was the burden in that moment? Look at verse 21. That they may all be in church. Lord, that would bless my heart to know I didn't die in vain. And it means so much to me, Father, if you could just fill auditoriums with people in seats. Is that what he prayed for? That they may all be what? One. Not solo. Not one cup. But they would come together as one. Now watch this. Lord, that's what we model. You and I, Father, we are one. You're in me and I'm in you. 
Lord, I'm praying that they would also be united in us. Why? Watch this. So that the world would believe that you sent me. You probably heard the story of the man, the solo cup. The man that was deserted on an island for decades. All of a sudden, a ship discovered there was some kind of life form on this island, and they made their way to the shore. And when they got on the shore, they found this man. And when they found the man, they found three huts. And they said, are there others? Are you the only one alive? He said, no, 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 I was stranded on this island. They said, well, why three huts? He said, well, you see that one over there? That's my house. And that one over there, that's my church. And they said, well, what's the third one? The guy said, well, that's the church I used to go to. You'll get it later. Somebody will explain it to you. It's called relationships. It's called church. And here's the sad thing. You know what? Today, there are some people, the tragedy of the witness of God's church. Let me give you the, let me give you the picture. First Baptist Church. Second Baptist Church. Third Baptist Church. You know how many churches, just Baptist churches there are in our city? Over 165. Now, some of that is a good thing. That was strategic, that was missional, and geographic. There can't be one church of Oklahoma City. It is too big. So I get multiple churches, but the sad thing is, I would almost guesstimate that there are more churches in this city, not on a missional purpose, but because of division and strife. Because they couldn't live together. They couldn't do this. And so they did this. We don't like the way that's going. So we'll do this. Okay, I'm not going to stand on this one. Anybody want to come up and stand on that? Do you really? I'm, I wouldn't do that. Your parents are here. They'd sue me. You would bust it. Now, it looks like a good idea. Division is not of God. Now, if it's church planning, if it's intentional, if it's with a mission, different story. God is the God of oneness. That's why Jesus said, listen, guys, a new commandment I give you talked about this with my discipleship class Wednesday night. And he said this, they're all gathered around, and can't you see the crowd? Can't you see his disciples? Oh, man, we're about to get a new nugget of truth that nobody else on this planet knows. Give it to us, Jesus. And they're all, they got their notebook out. They got their holy anointed pen. They're from Jerusalem, and they're breaking out their holy quiet time notebook. Jesus said, here's the new command. Love one another. Huh? That's not new. You told Moses years ago, we're supposed to love people, love our neighbor, love our God. That's not new. But Jesus didn't say, love one another. Listen to what he said. He says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That's the newness. You see, we all can take times where we act like one and we love each other. This works as long as you're behaving. 
As long as you are meeting my needs and you're being lovable, I can love you. The moment you start being unlovable, and everybody in this room can be unlovable, I promise you, every one of us can be unlovable. Am I right? Your neighbor will convince you if you're not convinced yet. They'll tell you it's true. How did Jesus love you? Let me tell you how Jesus loved you. When you were the most unlovable on the planet. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated his love for us. Not when we were loving him. Not because you started going to church. Not because you started figuring this thing out. He loved you when you weren't loving him. And Jesus said, love one another as I've loved you. You live that kind of love. You live differently. You love differently. And listen what he went on to say. Because when you do that, when you love as I loved you, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I'm not asking you to get more connected to church in 2024. I'm asking you to be more connected as the church in 2024. I'm challenging us from God's word as Jesus prayed, Lord, make us one. One body, one people, with one Lord, and one calling. And that happens as we do connect together, as we get connected in our small groups, as we continue to to grow those small groups, as we continue to connect with our community, as we continue to connect with those who've learned to disconnect through COVID. God, call us to be one.